Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Just over 10 years ago, my wife and I began a journey that would lead us here to the tri-state area, to Seton Hall University, to Calvary, and then on into the city. We set out from our home state of Arkansas in the summer of 2006 to take up residency in the United Kingdom. As we were making plans to leave Arkansas, we did not know fully where our journey would lead us. As a lifelong Southerner, I certainly did not think that we would wind up living in the Northeast. At that time, we only knew that we were moving to Edinburgh, Scotland for an undetermined number of years, and upon returning to the United States, we would not be living back in Arkansas, at least not likely. Given the uncertain nature of this journey, we made the decision to part ways with our possessions in Arkansas, live leanly in the UK, and then reacquire what we needed upon returning to the United States. And this is more or less what we did. Before leaving Arkansas, we sold everything. Our home, our cars, our furniture. What we did not sell we gave away. What we could not give away, and yes, there were, in fact, things that we could not give away, we had a removal service come and take. It is an interesting thing to part with everything you own. The process is simultaneously liberating and paralyzing. We felt a sense of lightness, as we unburdened ourselves from the massive, yea, even disgusting amount of things that we had accumulated over the years. I wish that others, too, could experience this sense of lightness that we felt, brought about by this degree of purging. But as you might imagine, there were some difficult decisions to be made when it came to what exactly, if anything, should be kept. Was there anything in our possession that was too meaningful, too priceless, too irreplaceable? Pictures, letters, memorabilia, keepsakes, souvenirs. These were all laced with sentimental value, and in some way, the decision on what to do with those things was an easy one. Yes, yes, we would keep those things. But what else? What wall hanging, what decorative item, what would-be heirloom would we hang on to? What else did we own that was too precious, too valuable, too meaningful to relinquish? Those were some agonizing days for us, as decision by decision, we sorted items into boxes marked keeping and not keeping. In the end, we managed to get our life down to six boxes, six boxes that went into my grandmother's attic, 
Six boxes that sat there. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Until finally, in the winter of 2011, over five years after setting out on our journey, we returned to reclaim what was ours. We returned to pick up those six boxes and to bring them up to Jersey, where we would be reunited with our treasured items. Now, I claimed earlier in the sermon that it is an interesting thing to part with everything you own. Having now confessed that we did not, in fact, part with everything we owned, but instead kept six boxes, I need to amend that statement. It is better to say, it is an interesting thing to narrow your life's possessions down to six boxes. Set out on a journey, placing those six boxes in an attic for over five years, and then return to discover what exactly it was that you, five years prior, thought that you could not live without. Yes, that was a very interesting thing indeed. There were many surprises awaiting us in those boxes as neither my wife or I could remember exactly what we decided to keep. Some items, like mementos from our college days, were pleasant and joyful surprises. Other surprises... Other surprises, like the contents of this bag I hold in my hand, were perplexing and amusing. If you're too far away to see exactly what this is, let me explain to you. I hold in my hand a clear bag that contains plastic fruit. Plastic uh, green apples, to be exact. They are not rare collector's items. They have not been in my family for years, passed down from generation to generation. I'm guessing we purchased them at Pottery Barn, probably for about $20 or $30. My point is this. My wife and I set out on a life-altering journey in the summer of 2006. When sorting through our entire stock of possessions, trying to decide what to treasure and what to toss, We deemed this bag of plastic apples irreplaceable, priceless, infused with meaning, and somehow something that we could not live without. Now, in light of all that has taken place in our lives since 2006, I feel somewhat foolish and certainly short-sighted having stored away these plastic apples for over five years. I can't help but relate this smaller journey of our story to Scotland and back to the bigger story of journey being told in Luke's gospel. Yes, the author of Luke, in telling the story of the good news of the inbreaking of God's kingdom in the person of Jesus, has chosen to arrange the material in the middle section of his gospel around the motif of journey. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sets out for his final journey to Jerusalem, where we will encounter his betrayal, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension. But before taking us to Jerusalem, the author of Luke will devote ten chapters to Jesus' 
final journey there. That is over a third of the material in Luke's gospel, focused on a single road trip. Now, whether you know it or not, our gospel readings this summer have all come from this road trip. The healings, the teachings, the parables, all taking place as Jesus makes one last journey to Jerusalem. Given the significant attention that our author gives to the final journey of Jesus, it is vital that we allow this literary construct of a travel narrative to inform our understanding of today's reading. Christians have long been a traveling people. From the nomadic patterns of our Hebrew forebears to our pilgrimage practices of today, we are indeed marked by journey. Just watch as our liturgy unfolds this morning. Take note of all the movement, the procession, the coming ins and the going outs, the journeying in our worship. Follow along with our annual church calendar as we move from liturgical season to liturgical season, never staying too long in any one place. The 5th century saint, Augustine of Hippo, refers to Christians as a society of pilgrims in a state of pilgrimage. He makes much of the sojourning nature of God's people in his monumental text, The City of God. There's a reason that we as Christians don't sit still. There's a reason that Augustine said Christians seek after a future good, different from the temporal goods made available by empire. We are searching for something different. We are seeking after something new. We are waiting for something eternal. We pray for this something every Sunday. We pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom coming, when fear and hate will be cast out by love, when inequity and strife will be overcome by justice and peace, when good triumphs over evil, and when what is right replaces what is wrong. We pray for that coming kingdom. We pray every Sunday for that coming kingdom because, as Jesus announced in our gospel reading this morning, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you that kingdom. God does not begrudgingly offer us the benefits of God's kingdom, but instead delights in giving us these benefits. As the pilgrim people of God, we remain alert to God's visitation. We remain alert to what God is doing. We participate in the work of reconciliation and justice to care for the poor, the oppressed, the captive. Or, as in the words of Isaiah from this morning, we cease to do evil. We learn to do good. We seek justice. We rescue the oppressed. We defend the orphan. We plead for the widow. We journey. We journey with God in pursuit of these benefits of God's kingdom reign when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It is in this context of journey, of pilgrimage with God in pursuit of God's kingdom, that we should hear Jesus' words this morning about possessions and treasure. 
You treat things differently when you journey, when you sojourn, when you travel. We as Christians, we as pilgrim people, we need to travel light. We need to be careful about the burden of things. What might slow us down or hold us back as we journey with God? What, when God's kingdom is fully realized, will we look back on and say, I was foolish and short-sighted to hold on to that so tightly? For me, in my most recent journey to Scotland and back, it was a bag of plastic apples. Speaking to Diana after the first service, she said, Todd, we all have our bag of plastic apples. So the question for us then is, what, what are those bags of plastic apples? Those things that we deem too precious to relinquish, but will become absurdly meaningless in light of the journey that God has called us on towards God's just and beautiful reign. Amen.